This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. When South Africans were confronted with the brutal CCTV footage of Yaku Swart pummeling his then-wife Nicolene, they responded with outrage, demanding justice. But it was soon revealed that justice had already run its course, much to the disappointment of Nicolene and GBV victims everywhere. You see, Yaku did appear in court on charges of assault, but slapped on the wrist with a mere 20,000 rand fine and suspended sentence, he is now a free man. What does this case say about South Africa's commitment to remedy an out-of-control GBV crisis? McFarlane Moledi looks at the evidence. I don't want these things to come out. You're pretending that I assaulted you. I didn't. You ran away and never came back, and I was locked up for it. Yaku Swart never thought the CCTV footage of him brutally assaulting his wife, Nicolene, would ever see the light of day. But it did. And in the voice message you've just heard, he accuses her of framing him. Since childhood, she thought he was the love of her life, but the fairy tale ended brutally. And in June, Yaku became the face of our country's gender-based violence crisis when recordings of the vicious assaults appeared on social media. These assaults took place in November 2018. Four years later, Yaku finally confessed to them, pleading guilty in court where he was handed a suspended sentence and a 20,000 rand fine. I was very disappointed. So was she, so was everybody in court. Nicolene was supported by AFRI Forum's private prosecutions unit, led by advocate Gerry Nell. Despite the outrage, Nell says the sentence isn't inappropriate. We have to put that into perspective. The sentence is based on the evidence before the court. Because the magistrate was presented with evidence, there should have been more place before the magistrate. Yaku's legal team questioned the CCTV footage's authenticity, and because the prosecutor didn't put up a fight, the magistrate never got to see it. The justice system failed Nicolene. In a country where government spends millions of rands on campaigns and barks the loudest against gender-based violence, you'd expect that when a perpetrator like Yaku lands up in court, he would get more than just a slap on the wrist. With South Africans expressing outrage on social media and some threatening to take the law into their own hands, Yaku went into hiding and has not been seen publicly since. Fearful that he'll take revenge, Nicolene worries about her safety and that of the couple's two boys. I was very upset why he's testifying that he's a good guy and good for society and he's not. Yaku and Nicolene began dating at school. He first raised his hands to her six years into a relationship that would eventually last for 16 years. The first time was just only one hit because I did something wrong and he got mad at me. Afterwards, he was sorry. A year after that, he confronted me and asked me how many intimate partners I had before. 
and I was honest with him and he wasn't happy with my answer mm -hmm. and he was just going off his head, mm -hmm. punching me, hitting me. While years passed without any further incidents, Yaku's verbal abuse escalated, particularly at the Pretoria car dealership he owned and where Nicolene worked. Tell me, does your flat brain think they're gonna jump and bring the engine? Do you think they're gonna can do that? I want my engine on Monday. I'm coming to you, I swear I am. He likes things being his way. If it's not his way, he will just snap. Were you scared? Very much so. All the time? All the time, at least the last year of my life. But Yaku was always sorry afterwards, and Nicolene always forgave him. I just want to hold you. You know I won't hurt you. Nicolene describes Yaku as a likable man, sociable, fun, as charming as he is manipulative, a cocktail of personality traits that made it hard for her to leave him. These behaviours aren't isolated, so in other words, it's reciprocal behaviour. Professor Corne Davis is a specialist researcher in trends and patterns of gender-based violence at the University of Johannesburg. She says women in abusive relationships often feel they are to blame for the behavior of their partners. Typically, a perpetrator of violence thinks he's right. His behavior is right. So whatever action he's taking, he feels entitled to take that action and that somebody else is to blame. You look at uh, you know the case of Nicolene and Yaku. Yaku would perpetrate these acts and then go for long periods where he doesn't do it. How do we know, then account for that sort of behavior? There are certain things that trigger behavior. And because it is rooted deeply in the psychology of a perpetrator, you won't necessarily know what would be that trigger. In selfie videos he sent to Nikilene after the November assault, Yaku confesses to his anger problems. I'm a bull in a china shop. I break everything. I know all the terrible things I have done to you. It haunts me day and night. And I ask Jesus to forgive me. Nicolene believes Yaku's inherent anger was triggered by drug abuse that started in 2016. She used Aswell and says their marriage became a roller coaster of drugs, affairs, and pornography. All the while, his business faced growing debt. I cannot tell you if it was drugs or his business was not doing well. Edwin Stradom and Yaku were once friends. In your friendship, was he an aggressive guy to other people? Not at all. When I went out with him, yeah. not once. Edwin worked for Yaku for two years before leaving to pursue other opportunities. He returned three years later. I think his business was failing. The second time I came to help him, things went wrong. The business was not doing well and he got aggressive and he took it out on his personnel. And it was here where the attacks were captured on CCTV. The first of the November attacks happened on the 15th. Again, Yaku apologized and Nicolene forgave him. But there was another just three days later. And this time, Edwin was first in line. 
we were inside this office, I came in, there was an argument and he just started attacking me. What started this argument? There were stories about he fought me and Nicolene had an affair, but they, there was nothing broken. While this was happening, Nicolene was on the sales floor. She could hear what was going on inside and knew what was coming her way. The premises are now rented by a company with no connection to Yaku, but the infamous office windows are unchanged. You can see now the light is on and the door is even open. You can't check in at the office, so anything can happen inside. The glass was supposed to keep Yaku's brutal deeds secret, like the beating that followed Edwin's. He came back to me, he started shouting and screaming in front of the boys, your ma is a slachte vrou and sy leen haar uit. Voor die kinders. Then he kicked me, smacked me, the boys ran away. I tried to run away, then he will come after with me and kick me again. So that day made me realize uh, he can really, he can really kill me. With the frightened children left wandering among the cars, Nicolene drove to the police station. She needed their help to fetch her boys, but was advised to open a case of assault. Like thousands of other GBV victims, it wasn't something she'd ever considered. It's estimated 70% of women in South Africa experience GBV in their lifetime, but the majority don't report it. There's no places of safety. You're going to report the case. What's going to happen? You're going to go home. Back to the perpetrator who's now going to be much angrier. But Nicolene never went back to Yaku, moving to Durban with her children. Yaku, though, was relentless, stalking her and breaking protection orders numerous times. Video footage shows him driving through a gate. He demanded that she moved to Cape Town with him to start a new life. I promised my kids that we are going to live by the sea. We are going to be a happy family. Just come, pack your bags and come. You will have no trouble. But you will have lots of trouble tomorrow if you don't come. He finally gave up the fight to get her back and moved to Cape Town without his family. But the mirrored windows didn't keep his secrets forever. Deleting the damning evidence from the CCTV camera's hard drive didn't either. Nicolene got a hold of it and an expert recovered the footage. I've now looked at the video quite a few times and it's at least seven assaults, seven different assaults. We're not talking about one assault on the one day. Yaku pleaded guilty to just two counts of assault with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. The court never saw the footage and Nicolene never got to testify. I would have liked to have my day in court, tell my story and give my evidence because I was ready for it. Bizarrely, on the day of the trial, the state prosecutor didn't even consult with Nicolene. The collapse of the criminal justice system has reached such a stage that we have a big problem as far as preparation of witnesses are concerned, training and dealing with matters and ensuring that prosecutors have the necessary skill to do. So, 
was the state too rushed in chasing a sentence? I don't know that they chase statistics and you want to finalize matters, but some matters, you just have to take your time. Just have to take your time and ensure that justice is done. Now, this was one of those matters. The court accepted the defense's objection to the CCTV footage, despite the IT expert who retrieved it being ready to testify. What Yaku did was caught on camera. This happens frequently, all the time, to thousands of women in South Africa. But it's not caught on camera and it's behind closed doors. We had an opportunity that you don't get. We had an opportunity to show the court what happens in this kind of instance, and we missed that opportunity. An appeal against the sentence is unlikely to succeed. The video evidence is now part of a closed case, the conclusion of which, critics say, will hardly serve as a deterrent to the thousands of Yakus still walking the streets. The abuser Yaku Swart is still in hiding. His family and friends say they fear the worst. Meanwhile, a petition calling on the National Prosecuting Authority to appeal the sentence has garnered well over 23,000 signatures. As members of the public, outraged by what they've seen, demand justice. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. In the meantime, why not rate and review us? We love getting your feedback.